Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on the world can't understand us. Awesome, awesome. John chapter 4, verse 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Isn't that amazing? We get hung up so many times on whether or not God has a bucket. We get hung up on if God looks like he's going to be able to do what he says he's going to do based on the limitations of how we think he has to do it. Well, God, you don't even have a bucket. What are we going to do? So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you're greater? Can you imagine asking Jesus this? Do you really think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Jesus is probably like, I remember when I made Jacob, you know, who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock. Verse 13, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if 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 anyone drinks the living water I give them, They will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding flooding you with endless life. I just want to stop here for just a minute. We're going to pick this story up a little bit later in that passage But just some details about this story that I think are amazing is Jesus is sitting on a well that came from Jacob. It's called Jacob's well. Does anybody remember who Jacob was? Jacob was the one, the brother, the twin, who grabbed his brother's ankle on the way out of the womb. So that Jacob means heel grabber. Supplanter, deceiver. Jacob was trying to grab his brother's heel. Jacob goes on years later to try to steal the birthright, the firstborn birthright, right? He cons Esau into trading him his birthright for a pot of stew. Later, he, him and his manipulative mother, Right? 
Manipulation is the mother of religion, right? And so his mother helped him attempt to deceive his father. And so he dressed up and put animal fur on his body because Esau was hairy. And he put the smell of Esau on him of livestock like he had killed an animal. And his mother fixed a beast and made him think that it was Esau, right? And so we see Jacob was a striver. So Jesus, the well of living water, is sitting on the well of striving. And he said, if you get your fulfillment or your thirst quenched or your moment-to-moment needs met from the well of striving, you'll have to come back again and again and again. Your thirst will only be quenched to the degree of your last success because you will constantly be trying to get fulfillment on what you can do. And so you're drinking from the well of Jacob, the well of striving, but Jesus came and sat on that well. You just imagine Jesus coming and capping that well. It says, if anybody comes, I'm going to sit here and wait. And somebody comes to this well, this well of striving, I'm going to offer them a better drink. And so they come to the well of striving. She comes to the well of striving. She wants to get a drink. Jesus says, if you drink of this water, yeah, buddy, amen. If you drink of this water, you're going to have to come again and again and again and again. Anybody ever drank from that well? I drank from that well many years. Only as my thirst was only as quenched as much as my last good sermon. My thirst was only as quenched as the last situation I handled perfectly, which had dust on it. And so I drank from the well of striving, but Jesus came and sat on the well ready to give water from a living well, a living stream, and says you will become a living stream, a gushing, mighty river coming out of you when you drink of the well of Jesus. If you go on to John chapter 4, verse 31, He has this encounter with the woman. I'm not going to go into all that for sake of time. She recognizes that he is a man of God. She recognizes that he is most likely the Messiah. And she goes and tells everyone, come and see this man. And great multitudes come to follow him that day. And we see after this encounter happened in John chapter 4, verse 31, then the disciples... See, Jesus had sent the disciples into the village to get food. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. You don't got a bucket. You don't got a Big Mac. You need to eat and drink. Disciples didn't get it any more than the woman got it, did they? Jesus, how are you? You need to eat. You're going to be famished. We brought you some food. 
and we don't understand the kingdom. So they said, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? Then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. We have to have food that the world doesn't know about. We have to drink from a well that the world doesn't understand. We have to find fulfillment in ways that leaves the world scratching their head. We have to come to a place of peace in a way that the world can't figure out. Peace that passes all comprehension and understanding has to be ours. And if it passes all comprehension and understanding, people should be asking you, where's your bucket? Why is your bank account not bigger than mine, yet you have peace that I don't have? Why do you look more susceptible to the virus, but yet you're not as afraid as I am? Why do you seem to have something I don't have when I'm the one with the bucket? I'm the one with more means to get all the things that the world says should give me peace, yet you've got peace and I don't. The problem is the church is trying to fulfill themselves with the same bucket as the world, and the world doesn't understand why we say we're different. Because if we're using the same bucket, when the world's sad, we're sad. When the world's scared, we're scared. When the world's in fear, we're in fear. But if we're using a bucket that the world doesn't know about... <laughs> then when their bucket comes up with holes in it, it doesn't affect us. We say, man, I sure am glad I didn't put my faith in a bucket. I sure am glad I didn't put my confidence in a Big Mac. I sure am glad I didn't wait on you disciples to get your act together and bring me lunch. I sure am glad that I was busy about my father's business in the midst of what the world said. This is going to take you out. This is going to diminish you. This is going to cause you to walk in lack. But yet here I am. Here I am full of faith and joy and peace because I have a bucket that y'all don't know about. I'm drinking from a well that you haven't heard about because you try to fill your life with striving and I fill my life in rest. 
because I found the well that never runs dry, that's constant living water into my soul, and it gives me peace and it gives me hope. Jesus, the water that Jesus was looking for and asking her to give him was not water she could get from a bucket. He was saying, hey, if you'll talk to me for 10 minutes, let what's in me get in you. Let what's on me rub off on you. Let who I am become your revelation. Then that's going to give me a cup of water. You discovering me is going to fill my cup without a bucket. You knowing who I am, his devotion with her, his being able to minister to her. Because he said, I have food that you know not of. My food is doing the work of my father. So he told the lady, hey, will you give me a drink? Well, you don't even have a bucket. I mean, how are you? Why are you even here? His drink from her is, will you listen to me for a few minutes? Will you just watch me for a few minutes? Will you see something different in me for a few minutes? He wanted nothing from her. His cup was filled by giving to her. If we want our cup to be full, we've got to get a revelation of how the kingdom works. Because if you're waiting on somebody to fill your cup, there are going to be a lot of days you're going to be looking high and low for that next person to fill your cup, and you're not going to find anybody. But if you want to find somebody that will let you minister to them for 10 minutes, I promise you, you'll always find somebody. You can go in any gas station, you can go in any drugstore, you can go in any school, any workplace, and you can find somebody to fill your cup if ministering to people fills your cup. If doing the work of the kingdom brings fulfillment to your life and fills your cup, you'll always be overflowing. But if you're finding fulfillment the way the world finds fulfillment, you'll be left lacking the way the world is left lacking. We have to have food that people know not of. We should leave the world scratching their head. One of my favorite series ever, might just do it again this year, was Stranger Things. We should be strange. Says we should be a peculiar people, weirdos. I don't mean weirdos because we act weird and we try to act weirder than everybody else to judge everybody else. We've used weirdness to bring condemnation to those around us. I'm talking about weird as in we have something they don't know about, but we live every day trying to get it to them weird. Instead of flaunting it and holding it over their head and saying they're not as good as us and they can't have it, the weirdest thing is to come around trying to give everybody hope, joy, and peace, and love every day. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. In all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. 
Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. When it says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit, the, another translation for the fruit there is a harvest. The harvest in your life that is produced by the Spirit are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Right? That's the harvest that we should be reaping. Now look at this. What a beautiful picture in John chapter 4. Because he says, hey, will you give me a drink? What he meant was, can I give you a river and that will give me a drink? But he said, can you give me a drink? And then his disciples try to come and give him food. And so yeah, Jesus is just saying, man, th this, is, this is not what I'm talking about. And then the whole village comes to him. Right? And he says in that moment, look, why do y'all say it's four months until the harvest? Why do you say it's going to be this and this and this and this situation has to happen? And if this works out like this and if all this stuff changes, then I'll have peace in my life. Then I'll have joy in my life then I'll have soundness of mind in my life and not be gripped of fear. If all of my circumstances line up perfectly and if everything works out perfectly and everything does it exactly the way I think it should and the way that I have it figured out, then I will get a harvest of the fruit that he's promised me. See the beautiful thing here, okay? He's already painted a picture. How I drink is to give water to somebody else. How I eat is to give the word of God to other people, the truth and the life, right? And then he says, look at this. You said four months into the harvest. Not only do I don't need a Big Mac and I don't need a bucket. I got Big Mac on the brain. I ate a Big Mac this week for the first time in probably 10 years. Because I saw Jacob eating one one night here doing plumbing. <laughs> it's your fault, Jacob. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> Just confession. <laughs> it was so good. So good. Not only do I not need a snack, do I not, not only do, but he's saying, look at this. I just came over here and sat on the well of striving. Wanted to give people a well of living water. Not only did I get a cup from this lady, I'm about to get baptized in the water that comes from all these people that are coming. The harvest is here. We've, we've taken this scripture. We have a funny way of taking everything in the word of God based on our revelation of the heart of the Father and making it something that manipulates us into striving. You say four months into the harvest. I say the harvest is right already. Why aren't y'all doing enough? Why aren't y'all working harder? Why didn't y'all put tracks on the urinals at the gas station, my Lord? What's wrong with y'all? Harvest is ready. What are y'all doing? Sitting around twiddling your thumbs. Let's go. Right? We find a way. John talked about a ladies' retreat. I know what she talked about because we talked about it before she went, and it's beautiful and it's amazing because we see things through serpent eyes. 
We see things through the lies of the enemy that makes us see things the way he sees things. And he's deceived beyond recognition. And we become deceived beyond recognition. And we take the word and we let the word of God that came to give us life and life more abundantly and help us find fulfillment in every area of our life. And we find it and it becomes another thing on our list that brings condemnation and self-hate and doubt and all those things. He's not rebuking the disciples. He's not condemning the disciples. He's just saying, guys... If you want a bunch of harvest, if you want to live a life that's so fulfilled you kind of pinch yourself to see if it's real, then just sit on a well of striving and show somebody the true way of life and watch what happens in their life and you'll be full. If you live a life that's a life of truth and faith, you'll have a harvest that'll bring you great reward. I love Amos 9, 13. I quote the scripture all the time. It says, the reaper will overtake the sower. Get that picture. That means you're reaping a harvest before you sow a harvest. That means when I go and I extend love to my neighbor, I'm actually fulfilled in just the act of giving. I get to the place where I don't have to wait on the reciprocation from my action to bring fulfillment. I don't have to wait on all of that stuff. I get such a true picture of how the kingdom works, and I can put my faith and my confidence in it more than I can in my bank account, and I know the minute that that seed leaves my hand, I might as well be putting that food in my mouth. We wouldn't have such fear about sowing, and I'm not just talking about money, but just sowing our lives. We wouldn't have such fear about ministering to other people at our workplace if we would really get a proper revelation of how the kingdom works. Just the very act of aligning ourselves with him and bringing life to this world brings fulfillment to our life. And so as we're planting a seed, we're actually taking a bite of the harvest. And we can live a life of perpetual harvest if we'll live a life of perpetual sowing. Just a life that is just wasted for the gospel, for the kingdom. If anybody doesn't know, here or on live stream, wasted is not a negative term in that sense. We just throw off all restraint and all care and recklessly go after sharing the love of God with the world around us. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I'm glorified when you bear much fruit. God receives glory when you bear much fruit. See how this all keeps going in a cycle? You receive fruit, 
He receives glory, right? And it all starts by him giving it all and you giving it all. And then we can't contain what we receive. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, don't try to find what's true on the TV. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, don't try to find what's honorable on the TV. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, I'm not going to say the TV again, all right? We'll leave the TV alone now, all right? Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good repute or report, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's how you have peace that passes all understanding. Boy, that's like rocket science, ain't it? <laughs> Don't sit around and dwell on the worst possible outcome in every situation. And you'll have peace. <laughs> First Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. For we have not received the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit, and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they're only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. People that are basing their life on human level reject the revelation of God's Spirit. Do we look like people based on human revelation or godly revelation? Do we look different? The world should not be able to figure you out. They should not be able to guess your next move. Because your motives are just like everybody else's motive. Man, they're going to do this self-preserving thing coming up right about now. Because anybody would in this situation. We should be different than anybody in that situation. To preach the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18. To preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are on our way to salvation, it is the mighty power of God released within us. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise, and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. 
So where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? For in his wisdom, God designed all that the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs, while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him, and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power. God's true wisdom and our Messiah. For the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than the human wisdom. And the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards. Nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call, but God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. When it says to shame the high and mighty there, another word that, And maybe a more accurate translation is frustrate. To frustrate them. Our life should frustrate people. Well, my goodness, you told us we should share love and joy and peace and all those things with everybody. And now you're saying we should frustrate people. Listen, if you share love and joy and peace with everybody, it will frustrate them. You ever tried it? It will frustrate them. And the reason we need to frustrate them, because God's not afraid of our frustration. God's not concerned about people not feeling frustrated. God didn't come into the world to make everybody feel not frustrated. He came into the world to give everybody life and life more abundantly. And the reason he's able to get them to life and the life more abundantly is because he puts the light in their path and they can't comprehend it and they frustrate it. And then in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require will be of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I believe some of the people around us are not getting to the place of frustration where they turn to him 
because they don't realize that there's lack in their life because they don't see someone who is walking in fullness to contrast their life with. Because the people who are claiming Christ and claiming to be followers of Christ and claiming to be in relationship with Christ are still living their life under the thought processes of man. And so the people in the church are just as discouraged as the people in the world. And the people in the church have the same amount of peace as the people in the world. And our peace is so contingent upon the same things that the people of the world's peace is contingent upon. We're happy when we got a certain amount of money in the bank. Isn't everybody happy when they got a certain amount of money in the bank? But what is going to frustrate somebody who has all the money they could ever spend, yet you don't have as much money in your account, but you got more peace than they do, that's going to frustrate them, and it's going to cause them to be unsatisfied with their life, and they're going to go to the one who says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take me upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But people don't get to that place of desperation because they see us struggle the same way they do. And I'm not saying your life will be perfect without struggles, but I'm saying you can face every struggle with faith and hope and peace and love. And it should be different. It should be contrasting with people without hope and without a Savior. And without a revelation of his love in their life, our life should be different. It should be weird. It should be peculiar. And it should frustrate the world. There's all kinds of things going on right now about this coronavirus. There's church wars about how we respond to the coronavirus. If somebody cancels service, they're being condemned for not having enough faith to have service. If people have service, they're being condemned for being backwards and stupid. So stupid. There's some churches that the government of their city have asked them not to have service. If the government of our city, county, asks us not to have service, I'm not going to have service. How are we going to have influence in this community if we won't re relate and respond to the leadership? Well, my goodness, you're going to just... No, I'm not going to just retreat and forsake the call of God and the mandate of our body. But I can be creative find a way to accomplish it by not succumbing to the world's way of thinking. Just thought, Acts 11, night thing. I bet there's more churches on the Internet today than there have been ever in the history of the world. How many people think that's a bad thing? <laughs> Wonderful. Checkmate. Huh? What you got? What you got? 
I believe every day like today is a flashback to the day the stone rolled away. Every time the adversary fashions these weapons, you know, this will do it. This will surely do it. We'll shut down the churches. Oh, my Lord, they went viral. (laughs) Nobody could even find that church up on Sharp Hill. My goodness, now they're all over the Internet. They're out on, everybody can just click on it now. What have we done? Reminds me of Acts chapter 11. Check this out. See if this is just any way reminiscent. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Because of the persecution triggered by Stephen's death in Jerusalem, many of the believers were scattered. They ran for their lives because of the persecution. Some reached as far as the coast of Lebanon, the island of Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria, but they were still only preaching the word to the Jews. However, so they already spread out, so the message is getting spread out to these cities that it hadn't been reaching before, but it's still targeting this one group of people, the Jews. But then some of those people in the cities that they were reaching now decided not to just preach to the Jews because they're crazy, right? However, some of the believers from Cyprus and Serene who had come to Antioch in Syria Preach to the non-Jews living there, proclaiming the message of salvation in the Lord Jesus. The mighty power of the Lord was with them as they ministered, and a large number of people believed and turned their hearts to the Lord. So be it in Jesus' name. I don't know what's going to happen for a time. I don't know what the process looks like. I don't know what the path looks like. I don't know how long the journey is. I don't know what things I have to carry during that journey entirely yet. But I know how it ends. And I know no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I know coronavirus and every other virus, every other weapon of hell is a defeated foe. Every giant has already been a stone in the hand of the Lord prepared for it. Right? And I'm just asking God to let us be a smooth stone in his hand in this season. I want to be a smooth stone in his hand in every area of my life. And I want this body in every way possible. Nicole came and told me, where'd you go? You were right over here. Nicole came and told me a dream today that she had. And our church was just raised up, elevated, like hovering. And we were all shooting arrows out of the church. And the the arrows were just raining down on people. And the arrows were going into their hearts and piercing piercing their hearts. Am I right? 
and they were just opening up. And as they opened up, they were elevated with us <laughs> and joined the team. Let me end with this today. I know I've read tons of scripture. Ain't that terrible? It's almost like he has a lot to say. But this is straight from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. I just want to encourage us with this today. What wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How blessed you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what's right, for what it is, for, for that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be, that's my favorite, how ecstatic you can be, when people insult you and persecute you, how ecstatic you can be and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you're being rejected the same way prophets before you. Look at verse 13. Your lives are like salt among the people. If you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. I'm going to keep going there in just a minute, but you know how you make an animal drink? Give them salt. The salt of your life when tasted by the world around you, makes them thirsty for living water. It frustrates them. It doesn't make sense. What you're giving to the world around you, they're taking in, and it's making them thirsty for living water. They almost can't re resist taking a drink. Don't be afraid to Make them thirsty. Don't be afraid to frustrate them. Man, we're so sometimes, well, I don't want anybody to feel intimidated or condemned, so I don't ever take a stand or anything. Well, I don't want to talk about healing or anything, because what if they one time in their life prayed for healing and they didn't get healed, so we just don't ever talk about it anymore. 
I don't want to like make anybody know I have peace because they're dealing with a bad situation and they might feel bad that I have peace and joy. So I'm going to make sure, even if I feel okay, I'm not going to act like I feel too great. Because I don't want them to feel bad. Even if I have peace, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, right? I'm going to kind of act like I'm grumpy like them, you know? I'll just look just like them. And the salt has lost its saltiness. And no one's thirsty for the water. Your lives light up the world, verse 14. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? This church has been prophesied over for years and even recently reaffirmed. It'll be a city set on a hill. And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its life. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Will you stand with me this morning? Prayer team, will you come down? I don't know if this is an actual process. I'm sure it's not. But it's going to be a spiritual process today. Because I don't have to use man's bucket. I don't know how you make salt salty again. But we're going to believe God to make salt salty again. We're going to believe God to make fruitless lives fruitful again. Because they've reprioritized their life and they've aligned themselves with the kingdom of God. And they have become people who sow, which means become people who are fulfilled. People who share the love of God everywhere they go. This is not a time. This is not about whether we have church on Sunday or not. This is not a time for the church to retreat. This is not a time for the church to hide and become obscure. This is a time for the church to shine brighter than ever before, right now. And let it leave them scratching their head. Let the light shine in darkness and the darkness not be able to comprehend it. What do you do when you look at something you don't understand? What do you look at somebody, what happens when you look at something you can't make out what it is? You look harder. You keep staring at it. You fixate on it. Be a light that confuses them to where they fixate on it till they can't live without it. Be salt that makes them so thirsty they come to the living water. Trade in the well of striving for the well of rest and fulfillment.
So today, this is a resaltification area up here. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Resaltification. Anybody just want somebody to agree with you that you'll be resaltified? Just come up, and prayer team will agree with you that you'll be resaltified. Everybody else, I just want to pray over you. As you leave today, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for capping that well. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to partake of living water. We thank you for making available to us, for letting heaven come near to us, the kingdom of heaven. You brought it to us, so now it's as close as our hand. It's at hand. We can be partakers of all that heaven holds. So God, we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and let it be demonstrated and manifested in our life. Manifest your glory in our life, God. Show forth your praises in our life, God. Let our lives be fruitful. Let our lives be fulfilling and overflowing. And that brings glory to you. How many people want your life to be fruitful and overflowing? That's all? How many people? I want my life to be fruitful and overflowing. I want to have more than enough of everything that I need, desire, and want. I want my life to be overflowing. He said, ask of me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll give you what you ask of me so that you would bear much fruit, that you'd be full and overflowing, and I would be glorified in that. So, God, here we are, people willing to bring you glory by bearing a bunch of fruit in our life. God, if you, if you need somebody to have a whole bunch of peace that, you bring, that brings you glory, go ahead. I'll take the peace. I'll take the love and the joy. I'll align myself with your word. I'll be one that sows your kingdom everywhere I go. In Jesus' name. Fill your people. Full and overflowing. In Jesus' name. Prayer team's here to pray as you leave. We love you. Keep up with Remind. We'll keep you updated on our process and on what all is taking place and what our plans are moving forward. Next week is Kids and Young Adult Sunday. Kid and Young Adult, young adult, young adult Sunday. <laughs> We love y'all. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.